You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Hey, today we are continuing our series called The Fruit. We're talking all about the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, today, uh, let's, in fact, let's read it, Galatians 5, 22. It says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is, say it with me, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's a lot. We all need these things working in our lives today. I can't believe how far we already are through this. We're, we're at, talking about goodness today. So the title for today is goodness. We're going to talk all about goodness. And I think this, uh, many times when we think of goodness, we think goodness and kindness go hand in hand. We kind of put them together. In fact, a lot of the commentary that I looked at this past week, when you look up goodness, it was like, see kindness. And I'm like, no, these are, these are very different things. And at first I was like, man, I don't know, you know, I could just swap out the word uh, goodness for kindness from last week's message and do it again. I don't know what I'm going to do. But as I got into it and as I prayed about it and as I dug deep into commentary and into scripture and the original language and things like that, God just revealed how his goodness and the goodness of God is so drastically different than the kindness of God. It's just, it's something that's very deep. But I think here's what happens. The word good has been used and abused and overused in our culture. And here's what I mean. We can come to church and we can sing, God, you're so good. And we can say God is good. But then this afternoon, someone will ask us, hey, have you tried that new restaurant? And you'll say, yeah, well, I did. And they'll say, well, how was it? Well, it was good. It was okay. We use the same word for something that was just average or just, it was good. It wasn't great. It wasn't amazing, but it was good. And we use that same word to describe God, good. He's, he's good. And so I think many times we have watered down the original meaning in scripture of the goodness of God. And so today I want to just shine a light on what, what God's goodness looks like. In fact, the, the word goodness in the original language, you can put it up here. The actual definition is this, uprightness of heart and life, morally honorable, pleasing to God, beneficial. So this is very different than just saying, well, that burger was good. That movie was good. No, this, the goodness of God is drastically different than that. This type of goodness, hear me in this, is exclusive to Christians who are abiding in Christ. This type of goodness cannot be produced in someone's life that is not abiding in Christ. Jesus. It's because of this. You cannot bear this kind without having that close, intimate relationship because once again, what is the fruit of the Spirit? We are not the source of it. God sources that whole list to us, but it's our job to bear it. It's our job to bear it and share it with other people. It's our job to make sure that we're opening the door for God to, to uh, have it in our life, but I'm not the one that can come up with on my own goodness. I'm not the one that can come up with and be more, have more self-control, be more patient all by myself. Godly, biblical patience, self-control, goodness comes from the source of the Spirit himself. And so we have to remember in everything, it's not in how hard am I trying to achieve it, it's how close am I walking with Jesus? How often am I in his presence? Am I worshiping him? Am I in his word? Am I praying to him daily? If I'm not doing it daily, I can't expect all the fruit of the spirit to show up in my life. I have to be in a close, intimate relationship with him. So let's dive into it. Point number one is this, God is good and he does good. God is good 
and he does good. And here's what I would say. There's going to be some of this as I talk about this today that you would say, Pastor Dan, I don't know if I believe that. Even me saying God is good. You may be in here and you would say, number one, maybe you've never heard that. Or you would say, I don't really believe that because of something you've experienced in your life or maybe something you've been taught. But I want to show you in scripture, no matter what you've been taught, no matter what you've heard, no matter what you've experienced in your life, God is good. Let me show you a few scriptures. In Psalm 119, verse 68, it says this, speaking about God, it says, you are good and you do good. Teach me your statutes. Nahum 1.7 says, the Lord is good. A strong refuge when trouble comes. He is close to those who trust him. Psalm 34, verse eight, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. I love that part. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Psalm 145, verse nine says, the Lord is good to everyone, to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. So here's the thing. Scripture is clear. God is good. And I would take it a step further and say this, God is only good. God is only good. Here's why this is important. If you don't believe, if you don't believe that God is only good, then you're going to struggle to bear the fruit of goodness in your life. And you're going to struggle to have a close relationship with Jesus. And I'm going to get into that in just a second. You're going to struggle with those two things. And so the question is this, as you're coming into this, and even as I was coming into this, I've got to ask the question and just think about this in your own life. Do you believe that God is only good? Based on what? The original definition of goodness. Do you believe that God is morally upright, that he is honorable, that he is of no evil intent? Or do you question his ethics? This is where it gets a little bit raw and real because you could say, well, if God is only good, then why did he allow the Holocaust to happen? If God is only good, then why did he allow people to die from COVID? If God is only good, then why did he allow that miscarriage that we had? You could say, but if God was really good, couldn't he just take all the troubles of this world away? If God was really only good. And see, these are the questions that um, help us grow in our relationship with God. These are the questions that when we are willing to ask and not just ask for someone's opinion, but ask and then look at scripture that we can mature in the faith. And so let's talk about this for a second. We have to remind ourselves that we live in a broken world. We live in a broken world. The world is broken, not because God broke the world. That's not how it works. It's because Adam and Eve brought brokenness into the world by rejecting the creator. That's what happens. And so we can, you know, point a finger at Adam and Eve all we want and say, well, if I was in their shoes, I wouldn't have done that, right? If I was, if I was then and there, I would have been, hey, I would have been living it up, walking with God. I wouldn't have messed anything up. But the truth of the matter is our lives are hard sometimes because we sometimes reject the creator as well. Sometimes I do my will and not God's will. Sometimes I do what I want and not what he wants. Sometimes I walk and live in doubt rather than living by faith and faith alone. Sometimes I do that as well. And so, uh, and I would, I would say this as well, because of the evil powers and the principalities at work in the spiritual realm of our world, which are real. In fact, I would think if we can see, if we could see 
you know, perfectly clear into the, the spiritual realm of our world, we would see much more going on in the spiritual realm than we even acknowledge. There's a lot more going on. If you could see the spiritual realm above Washington, D.C., there would be a spiritual war taking place. Like you, you can't even imagine how much is taking place in the spiritual realm above that place to influence leaders of our nation. It's crazy, but oftentimes we don't think about that and we get focused on just our little lives and we forget to see the big picture. Uh, Because of these principalities, these evil powers at work in the spiritual realm, we still face troubles. We still have hardships. We still have a broken heart from time to time. We still face devastation from time to time. But I wanna remind us of this, that even in this dark world, God is still good. And let me show you what I mean. In James 1:17 it says this, every good and every perfect gift is from above, and it comes down from the Father of lights, from whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Father of lights, here's what that means. God is like the sun. He's like the sun. He never stops giving off light. He never stops giving off goodness. He never stops giving off, shining his mercy. It is constantly shining. So think about it in the natural. The reason the earth experiences darkness, the reason the earth experiences nighttime is not because the sun has stopped shining. It's because the earth has turned from the sun. It's very similar in the spiritual realm. When we experience darkness in our lives, it's not because God stopped shining his goodness. It's because creation as a whole, from Adam and Eve on, creation as a whole, but then sometimes in our own personal life, we have, creation has turned from the light. And we have invited in, in doing so, shadow and darkness that we many times experience in our lives. Now, this does not mean that everything you've faced in your life is your fault. That, well, I, you know, I... I, I prayed for that person, but I I must have had a little bit of doubt in the back of my mind somewhere, and that's why they died. That's not true. Well, I, man, I, you know, we, we've been believing for more kids, and this happened, and, and, you know, I just, maybe I wasn't walking close enough with God, and that's why we had that miscarriage. No. Let me free you from some stuff today. No. Now, there are times where maybe you have a sickness in your body that the, is uh, a great example. Maybe you've, uh, you've been smoking cigarettes for years and now all of a sudden I have cancer or I have something going on in my lungs, right? Was that caused by an evil spirit or is that because I made bad decisions and I harmed my body? I made a decision that brought harm. Now there are sometimes our decisions bring on harm. That's not, I'm saying that is true, but not everything that happens is your fault. Sometimes, and I would say this, sometimes you can be walking with God and darkness still shows up. In fact, I would say it this way, many, my darkest days personally, the times when my life was the toughest personally, when I faced devastation, when all I could do was cry until I had no tears in those times, many of those times was when I was walking closest with my savior. When I wasn't running from God, I was walking in obedience to God. I didn't have my back turned to him. No, I was actually pursuing him. But I still faced darkness in my life. 
And because Adam and Eve gave spiritual dominion to the devil and his demons in this world, he gave dominion to, they gave dominion to them. We are in a spiritual war and we have to remember that. Specifically this, if you are pursuing Jesus, you have a, a spiritual war target on your back because the enemy knows if you choose to make decisions for your life, it can affect your family and your family tree for generations. And so sometimes when I choose to make a decision to follow Jesus, I will get pushed back in the spiritual realm and it shows up in the natural realm where it's like, man, what is going on? I thought I was doing what God's called me to do. And that's where you have to have spiritual discernment to say, Lord, is this pushback because I'm outside your will or is this pushback because I'm under spiritual attack because I am in your will? And that is where you can only know the answer by having a close relationship with the Holy Spirit and hearing his voice. If I don't, I could assume the wrong one, but I ha that's why God has given us the gift of discernment so that we can understand what is going on in the spiritual realm. Am I facing this because I'm outside of God's will or am I facing this because I'm in God's will and the enemy hates it and he's trying to hinder me at every cost? Now, let's continue on here. God in his goodness, he did not promise us a life that would not be hard. And a lot of pastors aren't gonna tell you that in today's world, okay? But I will tell you, he didn't promise us a life that would not be hard. Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. You will, not you might, you will. In fact, we can look at the apostle Paul, the greatest apostle, right? Who's done more for the kingdom of God than we could probably ever imagine to do. Wrote two thirds of the New Testament. The apostle Paul, we can look at his life and look at it. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse eight says this. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. If, if the apostle Paul, who is doing more for the kingdom of God than, like I said, probably any of us can hope to do ever, if he faced these kinds of troubles and you know his life, you know he faced a ton of stuff. If he faced those troubles, Again, I wanna make sure we are on the same page here. We will face troubles. Jesus said we would. Paul modeled that we would, so we can expect it. But here's the good news. There's always good news with the gospel. God, in his goodness, does not desire to leave you in your troubles. God, in his goodness, is the way of escape. He is, always. Many people choose, though, to live in their troubles. And in living in their troubles, they embrace their troubles and they make their troubles an idol in their life. And they never get past this trouble season or the thing that happened to them when they were a kid and they can never get past it and they always cling to it. But in doing so, they think that they're suffering for Jesus when Jesus has said, I've suffered so you can be free from that suffering. But so many times we hang on to it as our identity and God says, I have healing for you. And once again, God did, may have not, he didn't cause that harm in your life, that trouble in your life, but he can use it. And let me show you, this is Psalm 40. This is what I had you turn to. This is a great three verses to highlight right here. I'm gonna read from the New Living. It says this, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. Let me read this and then I'll come back and break it down. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me 
out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and he steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. This is the whole message today. This is why I have you highlight this. I waited patiently for the Lord. Sometimes you may be going through some stuff and you don't find freedom as quickly as you hoped it would show up. But that does not mean that God is not working. In fact, my pastor said this all the time growing up. He said, God is always doing more than you think he is. And you may say, God, what is taking so long? But once again, our job is to wait on the Lord. And in waiting on the Lord, having patience and waiting on the Lord is where we find renewed strength, is where we find hope and healing and salvation. I waited, but look, he turned to me and he heard my cry. God is not deaf. He hears your cry. He, when you call to him, he turns to you. He's looking for you. He lifted me out of the pit. He set my feet on solid ground. He has given me a new song to sing. Look, God sees your hurt and he longs to help you if you will run to him, if you will call to him, if you will acknowledge him first. And I would, in fact, I would say it this way. God wants to turn our trouble into a song of praise. That's what Psalm 40 shows us. God wants to turn our trouble into a song of praise. He's saying, look, you may not feel it right now. You may be so devastated with what you've faced in your life. You may be so heartbroken that you don't even, you can't even come to church and raise your hands because you're just so emotionally, spiritually exhausted from what you've gone through. But God says in his, in his mercy and in his goodness, he wants to take the heartbreak that's in your life right now. And he says, I want to give you a new song, meaning this, he wants to give you new joy you go through some stuff sometimes and I've been through stuff sometimes where it's like, I don't know how I'm ever going to be happy again. I don't know how I'm ever going to have joy again, but God says, I will give you, he will miraculously give you a new song. He said, I'm going to give you joy that you thought was long gone. I'm going to give you joy that you thought was in the grave and in the past. I'm going to give you joy that surpasses the happiness or the joy that you thought you had before. I have a new song for you. If you will call to me, and experience my goodness, he will lift you out of the pit. And our deliverance, the best part about Psalm 40 at the very end here, our deliverance from trouble is so that many will see and put their trust in God. You see what happens when we hang on to the trouble that happened to us in the past, and we make that our, our trauma and our trauma idol from the past, and we never get healing from it, and we never seek God on how to get past it. If we always hang on to it, no one else in my life can experience the goodness of Jesus. But when I call to God and I allow him to lift me and to free me and to give me a new song and free me from the trauma of my past or what I faced, now people will look at my life and say, I know what you've been through. And I see where you are now, that you are happy, that you are free, that you are fulfilled. What happened? And you can say, it's just God. It's the goodness of God in my life that has changed everything. And now, what does it say? The promise is they will put their trust in the Lord. I'm telling us today, there's some of us in here, we've been hanging on to something for too long. And God says, I've put people in your life that are around you that are going to find faith in me and faith in God when you allow him to give you freedom from your past. But you've got to actually give it to him. You can't hang on to it forever. You can't keep going back to it as a safety net. You've got to say, Lord, 
this isn't how I thought things were going to turn out. I don't know why this happened to me, but I give it to you. I submit it to you and I ask you, would you lift me out of this place so I can have a new song again? And when you will seek him, and it may take longer than just a day, sometimes it may just, hey, God can do anything, but sometimes it takes a little bit of time to find healing emotionally and, and mentally. And in doing so, you can find freedom and you can have a new song once again. But hear me, Psalm 40 will not be your story if you don't believe that God is only good. This is where it gets real. This is where it gets personal. Psalm 40 will not be your story if you don't believe that God is only good. Here's why. If you're in the pit right now and you think God is the one that knocked you down in there and put you down in there because he's not only good, when he extends his hand to you to pull you out, you will slap his hand away because you do not trust him. Because you think if I, if I reach out my hand to accept God and he pulls me up, he could push me back in. So you will reject God and stay in the pit because you don't believe that God is actually there to save your life. So hear me. Why is it important for me to know and believe that God is only good? Because life is going to happen. Difficulty will come. But the only way of escape and the only way to have hope in a hard life is Jesus. Is Jesus. That's, that, that is the bottom line. And God has done everything possible to save his children and his desire is to save you from your trouble. He may not have caused it. He may not put you in the pit where you are this morning or what you've struggled with in the past. But God says, I will use it if you'll trust me, son. If you'll trust me, daughter, I can pull you out. And guess what? Many will put their trust in him now because of your story. But many are waiting for many believers to have the faith to say, Lord, help. I don't want to go back to where I've been. I don't want to continue to go back to my old lifestyle. Help me move forward. God is good and he does good. His scripture shows us sometimes his goodness is much bigger than we can comprehend. Now here's point number two. Because God is good, we can be good. Because God is good, we can be good. Now here's where things get confusing. A lot of people think that because they're a good person, they're going to get to heaven someday. Or they think because, well, they, or they think I'm good so me and God have an agreement. I talked to several people in, in, in the past, people that I've worked with, they say, well, me and God have a, we got an agreement worked out. <laughs> and it's like, no, you don't. You don't. There's only one way to heaven. There's only one way to righteousness, and that's through Jesus. Without God, we cannot be good, no matter what your job is. People try to justify it. Well, I'm a first responder. I do good. I help people all week long. I'm a good person. I think God will let me into heaven. Well, I'm a pastor. You know, I, I try to do good. I try to do all the right things. I, you know, I'm a good person. God will let me. It's not in my job. It's not in my decisions. It's not in my marriage. Let's look back at what goodness is defined as. Here's the definition again. Upright of heart and life, morally honorable, pleasing to God. I can only experience this goodness because of Jesus. I can only be morally upright because of Jesus. I can only be righteous because of Jesus. Not in my works, not in my striving, not in, well, if I clean up my life, God will love me no, more. No, it's, he loves you. Will you receive Jesus and walk in the goodness that he has for you? Meaning he's going to cut some stuff out of your life so you can walk and live above reproach. 
That's his, that's his job. Let's look at what Jesus said in Luke 18, verse 19. Jesus said, no one is good except God alone. But many times the world will try to fool us. Well, we're all, we're all good people. We're all, you know, we're pretty good people. We try to do what's right. Goodness is more than just something that's compared to a good cheeseburger. Goodness is what? Uprightness. It's holiness. It's righteousness. It is deeper than just a word that we throw around. Goodness can only be achieved through Jesus. Look at Psalm 14, verse two. The Lord looks down from heaven on the entire human race. He looks to see if anyone is truly wise, if anyone seeks God, but no, all have turned away. All have become corrupt. No one does good, not a single one. Scripture says what? All have fallen short of the glory of God. But here's the good news. Remember, there's always good news with the gospel, right? It's not, well, man, Pastor Dan just told us we all are really awful people. That's not what I'm saying today. I'm saying, look, we're not good, but we can be because of Jesus. Here's the good news. God desires to make you a new creation so you can bear his goodness. That's his desire. I'm going to make you brand new outside of what you can do for yourself. I'm going to do a miraculous thing in you. Let's look at Ephesians 2 verse 1. Once you were dead because of your disobedience of your many, and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. By uh, He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Look at verse four. Here's the good news. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Do you notice in here all of the past tense? You were dead. You were, but God saved you. You were a sinner. You were dead once. You were. Because God is good, when we put our faith in him, now we can be good as well. I'll say it this way. We are only good because God in us is good. We are only good because God in us is good. And hear me in this, before I wrap up this point, how you identify determines the fruit you will produce in your life. Our world has an identity issue. Just turn on the news. People can feel like they can identify whatever they want, right? They can be a cat today in a different gender that's made up tomorrow. It's not how it works. But we need to be careful on how we identify. How you identify will determine the fruit you produce. If you continue to identify with your old life, you will only produce the fruit of your old life. Here's what we say. Well, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I understand the heart behind that. But I also acknowledge the fact that we are still identifying as a sinner. When we just read scripture that says, you were a sinner. That's your old life. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. But here's what we should be saying. I'm a saint now that's been saved by grace. I've been saved by his grace. I'm raised to new life. I'm seated in the heavenly realms to do the mission of God here on this earth. I'm no longer a sinner saved, but no, I'm, I'm a saint now that's been saved by grace. And now I have a mission. I have a purpose. I've been raised to new life. I'm free from my old life and I can move forward. And that is my identity, not 
who I was and where I've been and the mistakes I've been. I've freed myself from that. Well, more accurately, God has freed me from that so I can walk in purity and I can walk with what he has for me to do. If your identity is rooted in the unchanging, everlasting word of God, you will produce the fruit of goodness. But you've got to choose to identify of what God says about you, not what you say about yourself or the enemy has done in your life in the past. Point number three is this, choose to do good. Lastly, we've got to make a decision to choose to do good. When we abide in Jesus, God changes our nature, what we just talked about, to goodness. So now we can share it. What's the point of the fruit? To bear it and to share it with other people. That's the point of having the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. We're called not just to do kind works. We talked about doing kind things last week. That's good. We should be kind. But we're called not just to do kind works. We're called to live good lives. We're called to live good lives. And what is the definition of good? Once again, it's morally upright, honorable, pleasing to God. We're called to live good lives. Many people will say, well, this world is so dark and so evil and so corrupt. And I'm just worried about the next generation and what they're going to face and what's coming up. And I, we're all stressed out about what's happening in our world and the direction it's going. But scripture says in Romans 12, 21, it says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's really simple. It's so simple. We overcome evil of this world by living morally honorable, pleasing to God, upright in our lives, above reproach, holy, pure, walking and allowing his fruit to be produced in us. Goodness is often the fruit that's overlooked. Well, goodness and kindness, they're kind of the same. We often overlook it and we downplay it. But friends, let me tell you something about the goodness of God on display in your life. Goodness is the overcoming fruit. It's, we just read it. You overcome evil with good. So you want to see your life change? You want to see your family saved? You want to see your family tree change forever? You want to see your school saved? You want the, the culture to turn back to God? What do we do? We, we do good. I abide in Jesus. I worship him every day. I pray fervently without ceasing. And God will produce a new nature in me where I live pure and holy and a good life. An upright life. An honorable life. And God's goodness will be on display for others to see and you'll represent his goodness and you'll live pure and holy and it will change others' lives as they see it go to work in you. God is good. We can be good because God, the good God lives in us. And now we get to do good. It's our job now to live as he's called us to live, to be holy as he is holy. Let me wrap up by sharing a quick story. I know I've gone a little long. I grew up saying God is good. And I used to think that I believed it. Until something happened in my life where I had to make a decision if I believe it or not. When life happens, you can say that you believe God's word. But when life truly happens and life doesn't go as planned, you will find out and have to make a decision. Do I believe his word or not? A few years ago, I had to settle in my heart that God is good, even though I'm facing extreme darkness. Some of you know our story, Leslie and I, but Leslie and I have two babies waiting for us in, in heaven. 
And in the winter of 2020 and in the spring of 2021, we experienced back-to-back ectopic pregnancies. And let me be clear, the babies we lost were not just clumps of cells or lifeless things. According to God's word, they were individual beings known by God himself. But the, the months surrounding those two incidents were filled with heartbreak and devastation. And I had to wrestle with the question, is God good? I said it, but now I have to make a decision. Do I believe it or not? Because I'm facing something that I don't understand. Lord, we're in ministry. We're, we're doing good. We're, we're obeying your word. And the devil would throw this in my face. This question, where is your good God now? And in these moments of fighting confusion and not knowing what to do or what to believe, you have two options. You can run from Jesus or you can run to Jesus. And it was in those moments where in the darkest times of my life, I had to make a decision for my family. We will believe God's word over our life experiences. We will believe God's word over our life experiences. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And as we go through and as we face difficult things, and I don't preach this message to downplay the things that you may have faced in your life. And I don't know every detail of your life, but I can say from my personal experience, I know that there are times when you say God is good, but your life doesn't feel good and it's dark and it feels hopeless and you just want to go curl up in a corner somewhere and not talk to anyone, not do anything. I know I've been there, but let me remind you of what God's word says. Scripture says the Lord is good and he does good. Scripture says the Lord is good and he is a refuge during times of trouble. Scripture says the Lord is good, that he hears my cry. He lifts me out of the pit that I'm in. He sets my feet on solid ground. And even though I don't feel it right now, he will give me a new song to sing in the future. He will give me new joy. He will give me a fresh song, a new song to sing. Scripture says the Lord is good. He turns my mourning into dancing. Scripture says the Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. And friends, I want us to be a church that no matter what we face, we say, Lord, I know this is hard, but I know you are good. Lord, I know this is difficult and I don't have every answer to every why question, but I know you're good and I trust you and I put my faith in you and I run to you. And I wanna encourage you to put your faith in God's word today. Today, you may have come in and you would say, I don't believe that God is good because I have faced hell in my life. My prayer is that today you would acknowledge that he is good because you're in a pit right now and he's reaching his hand down. And he's saying, son, daughter, would you trust me to lift you out of the pit that you're in? And when you acknowledge and you say, Lord, I don't know why I'm facing all of this, but I know you're good. You allow him to lift you from that dark place. Psalm 23 says it this way. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That phrase, follow me, in the original language says it means this, to chase after and to overtake. 
to chase after and to overtake. See, here's what happens. Many times, many of us, many, maybe you today, you've been running from God, thinking that you're running from his judgment, running from an angry God, an evil God, a God who's out to get you, when really you've been running from a God who is good. You've been running from a God who's been misrepresented to you as not good. You've been running from his goodness and his mercy. Scripture says today, if you'll stop running, God's word shows us that his goodness and his mercy will not just catch you, it will overtake you. And so my prayer is that today, as I pray for you, as we dismiss, that you would have the faith to stop running from his goodness and you would turn to him and let his goodness and his mercy catch you and overtake you. And you would experience a new song in him today. Something fresh, a new joy that you haven't felt in a long time. Let me pray for you. Dear God, we thank you for your goodness. I thank you that your word is true. You are good and you do good. And Lord, I acknowledge the fact that there are many of us in here who have faced hardship that we cannot understand. We've faced things that we don't know how to comprehend, that we don't have all the answers to. But Lord, I thank you that no matter what we face, your word is true. You are good. And I thank you that you are the way of escape that today, Lord, I ask that as we pray for one another, as we dismiss, Lord, as you've just done a work in our heart, I pray that, Lord, we would have the faith to extend our hand to you as you've extended your hand to us and you would pull us out of the pit, set us on solid ground, give us a new song to sing. I thank you, Lord, that you are good. Your mercy endures forever. We love you and we're thankful for your goodness. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out abidechurch.com.